Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Retire Nancy Pelosi. Let's just get through the election, okay? Uh, they haven't won yet. Ask the voters to come out and vote one last time. A vote for Herschel Walker. We've seen that Herschel Walker has a disturbing history. And I do not think there's any imminent attempt on the part of China to invade Taiwan. There's a lot happening. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is exciting. <laughs> Ready, to <laughs> Made go. it on the air. Uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, we've got about three hours of material here we could talk about. Uh, only have an hour and we'll get it all. Well, we're not going to get it all in, but uh, listen... Uh, right now, the House, I, I, I the, the talking heads are saying the Republicans are still going to take the House. It's going to be by the skin of their teeth. Uh, a majority is 218. As we speak, Republicans have secured 212 seats, Democrats 204, 19 cents seats left. Most of the pundits are saying 10 will go to the Democrats, 9 will go to the Republicans, uh, if that is true, then the GOP would have 221. Again, a majority is 218. That would be 214 for the Dems. Uh, we will see. But, um, and we're going to get to these other stories in a little bit. There are uh, some controversial calls out in Maricopa County and out in Nevada. And uh, it is it is looking really fishy. Uh, some well, I guess it's good news. Herschel Walker has hauled in $11 million since last Wednesday. Uh, his uh, runoff against Raphael Warnock is uh, set for December the 6th. Uh, and we ought to take bets on how much money you think is going to be spent on that one election. I mean, it it will set all kinds of records. Well, uh, before, for ele- before election day, it was, what, $180 million or so or $200 million? It was Well, uh, Warnock himself had $103 million. Wow, for his re-election. I, I assume he spent most of that. Uh, and you stop and think about this. He had $110 million. Walker only had $39 million, which is still a heck of a lot of money. But, uh, and, I didn't, and I didn't it realize was, it was that much a difference. Wow. Yeah, and it was mm. the, the difference in the vote was only 1%. Mm. So we'll, uh, we'll see what that goes. Keep an eye on that. Uh, the president is over at the G20 meeting. And uh, he just don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I he met on, on had a side meeting with uh, Chinese Communist Party Chair Xi Jinping. Would you not love to? Now I can't speak Chinese, but if it would you not like to be eavesdropping on the conversation between Xi Jinping's aides? As they're looking at Joe Biden, hearing what he's saying, and would you not just like to be able to eavesdrop and hear their conversation, you know, that are, are after everyone is, is gone and, and a couple of the guys are just hanging around talking about Joe Biden, what they're saying. Um, Biden underscored the United States and China must work together to address transnational challenges such as climate change. Uh, Xi Jinping, on the other hand, had to bite his tongue to keep from laughing out loud. Joe, have you not been over to China and seen the soot that you can cut with a knife? And you're going to them and talking about climate change. 
are, they're the biggest consumers of coal burning plants in the world and they're still building them you know? yeah and what does that tell you uh <laughs> they're staying warm we're going to freeze our fannies off this winter and uh joe's all about it and and uh, look joe he and yet the american people i mean there are enough gullible people that think oh yeah oh ping's not a bad guy she uh, you know he's over there worried about climate change too i don't think so and, and it amazes me that we still, in so many different scenarios, treat China as a third world country in terms of um, maybe not third world, um, underdeveloped nation, which they are not. No. And they get all sorts of advantages, and they could give a rat's, you know what, about climate change. I mean, it's exactly. Obvi- I mean, it's obvious just by looking at uh, their, their country and, and how they treat their natural resources. And, and, uh, and the way we don't call them out for it, we don't, you know, we, we call no, out the no. United States, we call out Republicans, we call out anyone that's not singing the climate change, uh, the climate change hymnal, but we're not talking, we're not, we don't say anything about the biggest abusers of the climate in the world, which is yeah. India, China, yeah. and Russia yeah. Pr- primarily. Yeah. Go over there and it, it literally cut it with a knife. Uh, Biden raised U.S. objections to the PRC's coercive and increasingly aggressive actions toward Taiwan which undermined peace and stability across the strait and in the broader region and jeopardized global prosperity. Biden also raised ongoing concerns about China's non-market economic practices. Now, I'm not sure if he's talking about stealing technology or if he's talking about paying off certain presidents and their sons. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's the new way they phrase it. I mean, I think I think he was referring to uh, what everybody else would call stealing, but he calls it non non market ec- economic practices. <laughs> yeah, he says it hurts working families, workers, and families around the world. You, wow! You know, I, I've firsthand witnessed um, the the lack of um, <laughs> how should I say it economic integrity, uh, market integrity by by Chinese people, Chinese people in business. I I have personally seen them just absolutely ignore patents and copyrights yeah, and yeah, things such yeah. as that. And it's just um it's just amazing to me. I mean they don't you know, fundamentally fundamentally you know, for a nation if if you don't have some sort of moral compass of which they do not. No. No. <laughs> you know they they're never going to be a fair trading partner ever will not happen. There is no morals there. So I don't understand why we just keep playing, playing games and, uh, and acting like it's going to happen because it's not. Well, when my daughter was at Elon, uh, a couple decades ago and, uh, she was, uh, she took a, ch- a trip to China and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it was a, one of those, uh, study abroad things. And uh, when, while she was over there, she was buying little goodies and trinkets to bring home for her family members. And I remember getting a North Face jacket, a really nice jacket, but I noticed it zipped up the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, oh yeah, of course, because it's, it's not legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she had all kinds of things. And she, oh, yeah, everything over there, Dad's dirt cheap. Yeah, you know why? <laughs> anyway. Um, it zips from the left instead of the right. <laughs> something right? like that. <laughs> uh, Hey, listen, I, I want to mention some kudos uh, to our friends down in New Hanover County. Uh, statewide in this last election, a third of North Carolina's school board seats were on the ballot. And Republicans in many places, unfortunately, did not prevail. However, in New Hanover County, 
Uh, of course, that's where Wilmington is located. Republicans swept all four seats on the Board of Education. The board had been a five to two Democrat, but now it's flipped. Now it's five to two Republican. And, uh, it, you know, this interesting that normally there are about, well, maybe one or two school board races that, that people pay attention to. There were 41 partisan races in this last election out of, uh, how many did I say there were? Uh, a, a bunch. I think there's like 115 school districts. I don't know how many races there were per se. But um, it, it is really good and refreshing. And again, if there's anything that came out of this uh, COVID pandemic, it's that a lot of North Carolinians and Americans were awakened to what's going on in the public school system and they are doing what they need to do. They're they're running for school board, and mm-hmm. uh, so kudos to the uh, folks down in uh, New Hanover County that has flipped that school board. Now, a lot of the counties haven't flipped, but you know what? Don't don't give up hope. Just hang in there. Keep running. Keep doing what you're doing. So so why do you think? Maybe you'll get into this later, uh, but why do you think that the Republicans cannot translate this? to the national level at national seats from a standpoint of i mean we, we you know with what happened in virginia last election cycle uh which you know virginia at best is a uh what dark purple state yeah, at yeah, best yeah. until last election kind of kind of ch- changed its tune with the governor and uh, lieutenant governor but you know these winning ideas one of which is a school s- school concerns and the, and the concerns of parents why at a national level this election cycle? I just I never thought um, I saw much of um, just a, unif- a uniform message out of Republicans on anything. Really, I mean a few candidates. I mean I had to give it Ted. I said that last week. Ted Bud. I mean I actually think he stayed on message. He had you know a, a very simple message and stayed on it. But across the country, you didn't see that. And I, I don't understand. Well, you know, I mean, one of the big things that uh, came up over the weekend, I was listening to Maria Bartiromo yesterday, and she had on Rick Scott, she had on Ron Johnson, she had on uh, Byron, is it Byron or, yeah, Byron Daniels. Byron uh, Do- Do- Donalds, Byron Donalds, yeah. Who is a black congressman from Florida. And all three of them pointed to the same thing, that the leadership in the Republican Party, especially Mitch McConnell, now Donalds is in the House, but uh, – especially Mitch McConnell. In fact, I think it was Rick Scott that said, because he came out with with a plan to address a lot of the issues that are confronting uh, Republicans and Americans. And he said that Mitch McConnell just came right out and said, no, we're not going to address those issues. We're merely going to address what the Democrats are doing wrong. And as we said last week, you yeah. don't win elections by merely – now, okay, you can point out the flaws in your opponents, but you better come up with some ideas of, of what you can do better. And Mitch didn't do that. And in fact, you know, we were talking before we went on the air. I, I think it was Donald's that came out and said, you know, uh, the people across the nation were told a lie by the Democrat Party in terms of what the Dobbs decision meant. And when it came to abortion, the Democrats were saying, you know, women's health care, the, the Republicans want to steal that. Republicans have totally outlawed abortion. You can never get abortion again. They're going to arrest you if you try and blah, blah, blah. I said a month ago or maybe a month and a half, two months ago, the Republicans need to come out and spend a boatload of money 
explaining what Dobbs means. In other words, that, listen, all this means is the decision is taken from the federal level and it's handed back to the states. Instead of uh, a bunch of justices in black robes in Washington, D.C., dictating to you what abortion is going to look like, it is now up to the states. Every state will have a chance to decide, do we want to continue this practice or do we want to end this practice? If they had done an ad and spent a lot, not, not endorsing anybody, only talking about what the Dobbs decision meant, and you wouldn't have had to spend a, you know, as, I mean, how many billions of dollars did they spend across the nation? You, you, you know, put $10, $20 million towards something like that. I really think it would have made a difference. But the, uh, the leadership of the Republican Party abdicated their responsibility. As you said before we went on there, you've got to ask yourself, was Mitch McConnell perfectly satisfied with being the minority leader instead of the majority leader? Just have things continue as they are. I can continue to make the same amount of money I'm making. I'll have the same amount of power that I have. And let's just let life go on as it did before. Uh, you know, it's, you know, I think it's malfeasance. And again, uh, well, I haven't mentioned it yet. On Wednesday, supposedly, they're going to have the leadership vote in the Senate. Yeah. And, and I think Mitch McConnell is perfectly hap- happy with the status quo because, yeah. you know, I never believed you. Know, I, I, early on, I said I didn't think Republicans would take control of the Senate. Then I kind of said, you know, I think they'll probably win it by one seat. But, you know, this business of people saying 54, 55, 56, 58 <laughs> seats, I'm like, if if that happens, Mitch McConnell's out of there. He's done because that will be that means people would would new ideas and and not uh, you know not part of the good old boys club so to speak have been elected and there's no way Mitch McConnell can stay on board and and I think you, to evaluate Mitch McConnell, I mean fundamentally, what is a political party? You develop a unified platform that you can run on and you win freaking elections. And if you're not successful in that then his ass needs to go because he didn't win an election. And you can't tell me on any topic where Mitch McConnell stands about anything other than getting up there, murmuring a little bit of message of, you know, Democrat bad. He's got to go. And if they continue to go down this road, it, it, it's, I mean, it's perfectly, it's all out now as far as the, the data uh, with the election results, not just who won, but who voted how they lost independence. And by the way, when Benny says ass, he's talking about the donkeys on the Democratic yes. side. Not, oh, is that yeah, one of those yeah, yeah. forbidden words? I don't know. Apparently not. I didn't hear it get dumped. Okay. <laughs> well, um, since we're talking about Democrats, you know, jackass, donkey, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, it is uh, but, it's just but, total malfeasance on well, Mitch's well, part. Well, to your point about the message on what Dobbs did and didn't do, to your point, the basically the, the, the Republicans that were running for national office – that pretty much addressed Dobbs and said there you know, should be some exceptions, like in the case of a women's health and the case of uh, incest and things like that. They won. The ones that didn't talk about it at all lost. Yep. yep. So, so the you know, look, the Republicans have got to face it. They don't have the news media. The news media is the is the mouthpiece of the Democrat Party. The news media lied about it as much as the Democrats do. So if oh, you yeah. Don't, oh yeah. So if yeah. you don't address it. Then the people are going to assume what they see on TV is is accurate. Yep. You know, I think the other thing too that happened was, in terms of the polling being off so bad, 
you had a lot of of uh, during the early voting in Pennsylvania, they could vote for fifty days prior to the election. Fifty days—that's almost two months. Yeah. It, in Arizona, it was a full month. They have gone out and bust in their people over a period of time. And you know, again, I mentioned this the other day. The same thing happened here in Eastern North Carolina. Um, Drac Vincent, who ran for the state house, he overwhelmingly won on election day. But early voting, you know, you'd see every day, every location, they'd come in and more and more they'd bust them in, you know, give them a barbecue sandwich, bust them in, and they'd vote. And they overwhelmingly vote in the early, early voting. I think the reason why the polling was off so bad is because many of those people aren't likely voters. They're not on the likely voter list. But they were out there. They they did a good job getting them out. I mean, kudos to them. Uh, now, they set the rules. They re, redid the rules for the early voting and the absentee voting and the the mail your ballot voting and the you know all all the uh, uh, how, uh, harvesting, harvesting ballot harvesting. And uh, you know what they they finagled the system to to their end. One of two things has got to happen: either the Republicans need to control each state house and the governor's mansion, which is, you know, that's not going to happen in every state, and go back to same, uh, not same day, well, uh, voting on election day. And you know what? I, I At first I was against this, but now if, if, they would, if they would greatly reduce or eliminate early voting, continue to have absentee ballot with legitimate reason, Make it a national holiday. Make Election Day a national holiday. Have them get paid. You get a day off. You go vote on that day. And uh, that that ought to be how we vote. If they don't do that, and I think that's a high uh, bar to jump over, but if they don't do that, then the Republicans need to learn how to play this game. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're done. And the reason why I think a lot of state races and local races – the uh, this kind of manipulation of the vote hasn't prevailed on a local level as it has on the federal level yeah in the metro areas of these states like pennsylvania are just overwhelmingly democrat anyway if you you know get those people to get out there just like pennsylvania for example i mean how many votes did they have before fetterman got out there and stumbled around like a Oh, yeah. Bumbling the idiot. They said like a million. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. That just yeah. that flipped it right there. Yeah. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is National Pickle Day, November the 14th, 2022. There's a national day for everything. Taking a look at your weather forecast, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 40. It's chilly. Get the extra blanket out. Uh, tomorrow, cloudy with rain developing later in the day, a high of 62. That might be the warm spot of the week. Uh, Wednesday, partly cloudy with uh, clearing skies and a high of 59. Wednesday night, the low will be 36. In fact, as you look towards the end of the week, uh, frost on the window. Thursday's low, Thursday night, will be 28 degrees. Mm. Looking way ahead, I don't I don't know what Thanksgiving Day is going to be, but uh, looking way ahead, the day before Thanksgiving is supposed to be sunny and sixty, so maybe we'll have a pleasant uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, situation up in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, this suspected gunman, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., 
former football player accused of killing three people that were all football players, part of his uh, team. Hmm. The Washington Post has become the center for scrutiny after publishing a story about the background of the shooter, uh, sounding like a puff piece, quote, suspected UVA gunman had troubled childhood but then flourished was the headline. Uh, the posts say Jones's troubled past included growing up in a rough neighborhood in Richmond, and he had been bullied at school. Uh, you know, this is the same um, uh, Washington Post that uh, talked about um, Abak Barak Abaldad Al Baghdadi uh, as a austere religious scholar. <laughs> So uh, it's it's, uh, in, it's also this hadn't been reported quite as much just because it's out west, but in Idaho, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, four university students killed in uh, homicide right near campus in yeah. Idaho, and that's in Moscow, Idaho, which were where the University of Idaho is located. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, hope things don't happen in threes there. No. Uh, President Joe Biden uh, over in um, at the G twenty in Indonesia. At the end of his little speech, decided to take a couple of, well, I don't think he was going to take questions. Somebody shouted a question out, and Joe just sort of got lost in the headlights and uh, started murmuring answers before they could finally get him off stage. But anyway, he was uh, a question was shouted out by an NBC reporter and uh, basically asking, okay, um, what are you going to do now about codifying Roe v. Wade? Cut one. President, what should Americans expect from Congress as it relates to abortion rights after the midterms? I don't think they can expect much of anything other than we're going to maintain our positions. I'm not going to get into more questions. I shouldn't even answer your question. No, no, no I don't think that. I, I, I don't think there's enough votes to codify unless something happens unusual in the House. I think we're going to get very close in the House, but I don't. I think it's going to be very close, but I don't think we're going to make it. Uh, to say the least, other Democrats were not too happy with Joe. That basically Joe has said, eh, we lost. What he, what he really meant was, uh, I did not get a memo of what I'm supposed to say on that question, so I shouldn't have taken it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> what happened? <clears throat> Joe, Joe, Joe. Uh, so, Gateway Pundit, eh, I would say Gateway Pundit is a legitimate Organization, I would say there are times that um, they are first out with stories, and sometimes they uh, overall it's it's fairly reliable. Sometimes they're a little too early with stories, but they've got a couple stories out that uh, so far I haven't seen anybody else touch. But one story is talking about Michelle Swinnick, an election judge judge in Maricopa County. Following the election, she stepped forward to discuss what she experienced in Maricopa County on Election Day. Uh, She worked at a center in a heavily Republican district. She said the tabulators worked perfectly the night before the election. And we talked about these tabulators on Election Day and the day after. Then on Election Day, they quit working. Only one in ten ballots were accepted through the tabulators. The officials were told to put the defective ballots into a different section called Door 3. Michelle believes this is all planned. The election officials knew that Republicans were going to come out in force on Election Day, 
as they did in the primary. This was a planned operation. There's an organization called Uncovered DC. They're reporting. Election judge Michelle Swinnick has come forward to report what she experienced in Maricopa County on Election Day. Um, Swinnick says that the tabulators all worked perfectly the night before. Voters were given the option where to do, what to do, where to drop it. And, uh, of course, many of these ballots went into door three. The question was, did they ever show up? Now, she is saying, no, she doesn't think they did show up, even though the Maricopa County Elections Board said, oh, yes, they showed up. If you voted and you put it in there and into the door three, you can go in and check and make sure that your vote was counted. Now, they don't show a copy of the ballot, but they just go and you type in, you know, Benny Hardy and uh, Benny Hardy. Says, yep, yep, we got your ballot. But she was saying that her roommate ran his ballot through the tabulator 15 times as one of the first uh, voters at uh, the polling place he was at. It did not read the ballot. He was forced to dr- drop it into door three. About an hour after I arrived home at 9 p.m., the roommate checked the website to see if his vote had been counted. The website reported it was. She goes on to say, this is mathematically impossible for the vote to be counted since it was only about an hour before that she left the center and the ballots had not been taken from the center to the meeting place where the ballots would have been counted. So is is that a uh, hoax? A hoax? Uh, the Gateway Pundit is also reporting on election night at 8 p.m., Uplift Data released its final hourly results on the Arizona and Maricopa County elections. Throughout the election cycle, Uplift posted the latest updates on mail-in ballot counts on its website as ballots arrived the weeks leading up to the election. This was a great tool for Democrats to understand real-time results. On election day, Uplift traffic uh, t- uh, tracked the hourly reports from across precincts in Maricopa County. When the polls closed at 8 p.m., Uplift released its final analysis from the day. Maricopa County turnout numbers on Election Day at 8 p.m., Republicans received 52.7% of the vote. Others, meaning unaffiliated, independent, etc., received 30.7%. Democrats received 16.6% of the vote. So they only had 16.6% of the vote. USA Today reported on Wednesday, November 9th that Kerry Lake won 70% of the election day vote. Since Tuesday night, Maricopa County has slow walked their actual results to the press. Katie Hobbs, who oversees the election, is also running against Lake, has won every ballot drop except two from Maricopa County since Tuesday, extending her lead over Kerry Lake by 34,000 votes. Hobbs won more Election Day votes in the Thursday and Friday ballot drops. Kerry Lake won 51.8% of the 85,000 Maricopa ballots on Saturday night. On Sunday, Kerry Lake won 54% of the 97,000. Maricopa County election officials want you to believe that all the independent voters on Election Day voted Democrat in Maricopa County. Bottom line. That's the only way you can come up with those numbers. So the the Democrats only got 16% of the vote, but now they – even though – Carrie Lake was winning going in to Election Day. And what did I say? 52.7% of the voters were Republican. 16.6% were Democrats. And now Hobbs is ahead. Just very, very curious. It, well, you know, it's, it gets back to you know, why, why is it these states that are borderline 
take precincts forever. are borderline take forever and things that are foregone conclusion you know places in california texas florida i mean they get counted yeah. on election oh, yeah. day how, how does that happen the second big the second uh, biggest state is texas third biggest is florida mm-hmm. they both had all their vote counts by that night and what what's common there? They've got Republican governors yep. that actually can get something done. You know, and and I mean, that, it just kind of back reminds me of the I guess what 2016 election for governor of North Carolina when we got this knucklehead the yeah, first time, yeah, Cooper, yeah. Durham um, County, Durham, Durham Ca- City, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Precincts in Durham that just all of a sudden, you know, after midnight, dumped a bunch of votes. I mean, yeah, yeah. where do they come from? Well, speaking of that, pro uh, Trump Republican Lauren Boebert is currently leading in a race against far-left Democrat Adam Frisch in Colorado. Bobart currently leads the race by 1,000 votes, 0.4%. Bobart's been leading the race for several days now. Her opponent is, uh, from the Gateway Pundit, is a, a rather questionable character who apparently had uh, was caught having an affair in a storage locker in the district. Uh, <laughs> Newsweek reported, without the slightest bit of irony, the race. This is out of Newsweek now. The race for Colorado's third congressional district remains too close to call, as Trump endorsed Representative Lauren Bobart is currently only slightly ahead of her rival Adam Frisch. But the incumbent Congresswoman's narrow lead could once again be overturned if thousands of likely rejected votes in favor of her challenger were to be fixed, as a recount looms over the Colorado race. Bobart was widely widely projected to win the midterms, with polling website 538 giving her a 97 in 100 chance of victory in the days ahead of the vote. As of November the 14th, that would be today, with nearly all the ballots being counted, Bobart is leading 50.1% of the vote against Frisch's 49.8%. But again, how many thousands of votes have been dismissed? I guarantee you this guy's going to go judge shopping and find some judge. No, oh, yeah, we got to count those. Now, that, you're disenfranchising those people. Now, wait a minute. This guy had he had what? He had an affair in a coat closet. What was that? <laughs> a storage container? I, uh, he was caught having an affair in a storage locker in the district. Yeah. Now, I, I maybe it's a real big storage locker. I, when I think of a storage locker, man, these North- I, I I don't think of something that. I could fit into these but. Colorado Democrats are not impressive. I mean, our Democrats <laughs> in North Carolina have an affair on the couch in your house when your wife's out of town, don't they? <laughs> now that's what it takes that takes guts. I mean, anybody can go have it. Uh, well, and this guy in Colorado, I mean, Cal Cunningham was it Cal Cunningham? It was Cal Cunningham, wasn't it? I didn't say a name, but it was. Uh, yeah, uh, it was. I think that was it, might be it. Yeah. His, his initials were CC. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he lost, but in Colorado, this guy just about won. So you Democrats in North Carolina can be proud. You got real. Yeah, you got you a little got more real, class. You, you got, got little... real philanderers. <laughs> I mean, and we got to take a time out. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk ninety six point three and one zero three seven. Daily Caller is reporting the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals ordered a nationwide injunction pending appeal against Joe Biden's student loan debt forgiveness program that happened earlier today, adding to previous legal action blocking the plan. The program seeks to forgive 10,000 in federal loans uh, with incomes under 125,000, which that sets the bar pretty high, up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. 
the um, the court just basically has said, you know what, there is uh, no reason that this shouldn't be a nationwide injunction against this until it is settled in court. Uh, U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman deemed the student debt forgiveness program unconstitutional last Thursday in a case brought by two individuals with student loans. He argued the HEROES Act did not provide clear congressional authorization necessary for the administration to conduct the program unilaterally. But at this point, the Biden administration will probably just drop it, don't you think? I mean, they don't need it anymore. They did it for political reasons. Yeah, I think one of our listeners brought up earlier when we were talking about the uh, you know, ballot harvesting, the early voting before all the issues are have been settled. You know, it was like 24 million votes of people applied for debt relief, which, I mean, how, how, how do you think they voted? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now, this you know, the judge is blind. I mean, everyone knew it was unconstitutional. Hey, the Democrats knew it was. They yeah. just, they just hey, if they can just There's no, know, get one more, one issue voter yeah. on their side, yeah. that's all they try to do is just keep carving out one issue voters after one issue voters. Integrity is a, is a forgotten word. I mean, really, it's just like do whatever the heck you want to do. You know, the ends justify the means. And uh, And we're 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 into anarchy, but it's only going to get worse. Yeah. And the Republicans, I mean, they underestimate because they've got a moral compass. Yeah. (laughs) They underestimate where and how low the Democrats go in this kind of thing. Isn't it sad that here we are saying, okay, Republicans, maybe you need to figure out how to manipulate the system, too. Instead of just saying, you know what, we need to go back and have a system that is fair to all, we got now we got to figure out how to be better manipulators. Well, they definitely got to be better at messaging. That's, that's yeah. without a doubt. And, yeah. and there's no sense. I mean, you think about it, this midterm election in in history. Uh, I mean, Joe Biden was more successful as a sitting president in history in the in the midterms. I mean, that's just the facts. And you got to think that. I mean, Joe Biden. I mean. Any level-headed Democrat knows just how bad Joe Biden is. I mean, they they just do. They may want to to. win. I mean, if they're not, they're not smart. And number two, look at all the numbers with with inflation. I mean, everything's on your side, and you can't freaking turn a midterm, and can't turn people out any better than was turned out in 2018. I mean, it's no sense for it. Remember back just a few years ago uh, during the Iraq War, also when we had military in uh, Afghanistan, Christians in the military were told, don't show any type of Christian symbol. Yeah. Remember? I do. Remember. And if you've got a Bible, don't you make sure it's not seen. We've got to hide it. Don't, we don't want to offend the people that are hosting us in their country. Don't offend them. Don't do Don't Christians, back down. The United States men's national soccer team is redesigning its crest where, you know, you, you had the – it was like a shield mm-hmm. and you had mm-hmm. stripes underneath the bottom part of the shield that were uh, red and white, I believe. And right. I think there was some blue at the top. <clears throat> so was it stars? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm describing it as best I can remember. But now they are taking that red and white and they're replacing it with – the gay pride rainbow stripes. You are kidding me. No, no. Yeah, the and U.S. soccer symbol is uh, red and white stripes below, like a shield, and then USA in blue up top. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're replacing those stripes with gay pride rainbow stripes. Guess where they're playing the World Cup? 
Let me, wait a minute. Uh, cutter. Yep. Okay. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. Now, in Cutter, if you're found guilty of, of sex in the same with the same couple, they kill you. Yeah. They kill you. Not to, not to mention Cutter probably outside the continent of Africa probably – um, you know, they don't call it slavery, but enslaves more people than anywhere in the world, uh, probably, uh. per capita. So so we're going to play the World Cup there. Now, Christian, you can't wear your cross. You can't show your Bible because that would offend people. <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. And the, the truth of the matter is, I, now listen, I, I wasn't over there in Afghanistan. I wasn't over there in uh, Iraq. But I don't think that 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 was nearly as offensive, or I don't know if it was offensive at all. But uh, this, unbelievable. Well, you know what's wrong? You're representing the United States. What's wrong with the colors of the United States? Plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what other group like this? What other fanatical group uh, of people, uh, a segment of society, w- would you do this for? I, I mean, I can't imagine any, but um, well, you know, maybe the U.S. Women's Soccer Association would do the same thing, probably, or something. I no, but know. I mean, what what other minority group oh, would yeah. do that? Yeah. I mean, what, even the, you know, Black well, Lives Matter would you would you give them the raised fist and put that on the uh, soccer shield? Yeah, they probably would. But, well, <laughs> but, I mean, we can. Yeah, I mean, we we've said it here before, and and I think continues to be true. We're not the only ones say it. I mean, Christians are the most perse- yeah. persecuted and abused uh, segment of a population in the world. I mean, they just yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 as I remember, other people saying, "Why why are we persecuting the good guys?" I mean, why we? Well, it's spiritual battle. Hey, we got to take another timeout. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. When we are not covering Brandon's heroics, this uh, Brandon, he, what does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not. Um... Folks, let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. Now back to news and Let's news go, on 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. Speaking of having gas, just in time of Thanksgiving, uh, got some bad news for you. Uh, this is not new news, though. You probably have uh, noticed this. Uh, we North Carolinians are a little overweight. Inconceivable. Well, I'm afraid so. In fact, North Carolina ranks as the 15th worst worst state nationally for having the biggest problem with being overweight. Uh, we're sorry to point our finger at Southerners, but in general, in the South, this is a problem. Uh, these findings are uh, compiled by WalletHub, the financial advice platform. Uh, WalletHub created an index based on data points and uh, found the highest score for obesity belongs to West Virginia, number two, Mississippi, number three is Kentucky. And by the way, Miss, uh, West Virginia, I assume this is, well, they said 74.6 points. So there's a lot of different numbers they put into this. Kentucky, number three, um, uh, let's see, Delaware was eight, Ohio 13, Oklahoma nine, Missouri 14, um, then came uh, uh, North Carolina. Virginia was number 20. So where were we? I think we were number 16. The best and fittest, Colorado, Utah, D.C., 
Mm, that's hard to believe. That's hard to believe. <clears throat> <laughs> Massachusetts and Hawaii, Florida checked in at uh, number 42. So, yeah, North Carolina ranked at 16 for obesity, 21 for health consequences, only 18 for food and fitness. West Virginia was the worst in the first two categories. Mississippi was third. North Carolina didn't show up on any of the list of the five worst or five best when ranked by topics such as our rate of diabetes and high blood pressure, physical inactivity, and other subcategories. What are we? What are we now? Like seventh or eighth in population, something like that. I think we're tenth. Tenth. Okay. Yeah, I think we're tenth. So, um, so we're up there. Yeah. I, I would hate to see us. Uh, well, I know what the numbers are because I've seen them before. But I would, I would hate to see if they just kind of took Eastern North Carolina on its own because uh, that barbecue belt is kind of tough. Yeah. It, yeah. The barbecue belt keeps getting. Put out to the next hole. <laughs> yeah, the uh, you know it was interesting when uh, years ago. This when what was it? When when what year it would have been when uh, George W. Bush won re-election? Two thousand and four. Okay, I was over in I India and we came back from India. And you know it was interesting. The first thing I noticed as soon as we landed in the Detroit airport was how fat Americans were. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, and when you're gone, we were gone for like two weeks. And uh, over in India, everybody, I mean, a few people were overweight, but by and large, most people were pretty thin. Yeah, and when I go out west, too, it's, it's noticeable because, you know, people are outside. They, more you know, active. Everybody bikes, hikes, you know, rides rafts, you know, you know. kayaks. All right. Uh, pray for America. Pray that we would have some honesty in our elections. And, uh, yeah. It's a mess, but uh, we'll continue to look at it. Join us again tomorrow at 5. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.